The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Sad time to end the week, but we close it with a song. And joining me again from the Windy City Double Feature Picture Show and Halloweenies and the Rock Island Public House, it's Mike Vanderbilt. Hello, hello. Uh, today's music video is for The Thunder Rolls by Garth Brooks. Yeah, I'm going country. Haven't done a country music video yet, but here we are. I'm not going to be biased, even though I'm Notably not the world's biggest country music fan. You know, but it's interesting to note about this one because I don't want to say this is barely country, but this is definitely, I mean, it's a country song, but it's it's from Garth Brooks, who notably was always trying to break into the pop music world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he always had the heart of a rock star, I guess. Yeah, he always had to drive. What a, One hell of a performer. He is one of these guys who, when I was younger, I totally wrote him off. Even though my mod did go through a country music phase from like December of 1990 to about February of 1992. Mm-hmm. And uh, I often attribute that to, I once saw a record producer on later with Bob Costas who mentioned if country music is on the pop charts, that means pop music is in trouble. And for someone of my mom's age back then, I could see her going to country because Madonna got weird and got, you know, too sexy, too <laughs> sexy. I mean, she was always sexy, but when she started getting into the erotica stuff, right. Like, like that wasn't my mom wanted that. Uh, the pop music of like a virgin. And we had grunge taking over rock radio and we had, you know, gangster rap was coming into its own. So I could see why a lot of people her age who liked pop music were turning to country. And I think Garth Brooks uh, is obviously one of the superstars of that era. And I think it's because he never wanted country music to confine him. Very true. Very true. Yeah. He, yeah, he's definitely one that you could definitely see as a gateway drug for people to get it across. And there's people who don't like country music, but love Garth Brooks. Or at least have a respect for him. That's, yeah. that's one thing. Uh, the song Thunder Rolls is the final single from his 1990 album No Fences, which also featured Friends in Low Places, Unanswered Prayers, and Two of a Kind Working on a Full House. It sold over 18 million copies in his, his <laughs> best-selling album, to date, which I don't think he's selling 18 million of anything. I don't think no, unless you're Taylor or Lady Gaga, you're not yeah, selling. People that. are still buying his records, though. But you know what? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things about Garth Brooks is, and this is so I loved that in the 90s, he was totally not letting country confine him because he was playing around with like he played, he did Hard Luck Woman with Kiss on Jay Leno, and they did it for that Kiss My Ass tribute record. And I think in a very Gene Simmons move, one of my favorite things Garth Brooks ever did was. He wanted to sell more records than the Beatles. Mm-hmm. So what he did was he took all of his albums that had previously been released, put them in a box set with a bonus disc and sold it for 50 bucks. So if you bought it, you were getting a deal because you were basically getting the record for, uh, let's say, $8 a piece or something. Yeah. But each sale of that box set 
Oh, was a sale for the counted as a sale for the records. So he knew because the Garth Brooks fans are hardcore. He knew that they would also buy it for the bonus disc. And he uh, he succeeded. I believe he ended up selling. uh, He has some sort of record that he sold more in in one of the charts. He sold more records than the Beatles. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty sad. And whenever I think of it, I said, oh, he must have he must have been talking to Gene Simmons. (laughs) That one, because that seems like such a Gene Simmons move. Yeah, definitely. He's ahead of the game with a lot of things. And he wrote this song with Pat Alger. Alger. Yeah. It was originally recorded by Tanya Tucker, but she dropped it from her album that was and intended. And it had the a Tucker version, the Tanya, Tuck, yeah, the Tanya Tucker version has a very, uh, it's very nice. It was for an album from 88 and the production is very 1988. Right, very yeah. heavy on the synthesizers, very Muzak influenced. Yeah, but luckily yeah. when the rights came back, he got it on his sophomore album for himself. Well, so. The story that I read was that the producer was mad or disappointed that he gave it to Tanya Tucker and said, it's the best song you ever wrote, Garth, and then brought it back. But here's my favorite story I found was in a 1991 Entertainment Weekly article where they talked to Alger. And he goes, there's a line about Rolling Thunder in one of his other songs. And Garth had been listening to that song. (laughs) So Garth was listening with Alan Reynolds. And I get a picture like Garth running into the room or wherever Alger is sitting and just out of breath, like, hold on. (laughs) What if we write a song about somebody who's cheating on his wife and every time they do it, the thunder rolls? Because Alger said he thought it was kind of funny. He thought it was a joke. But then the two of them sat down to write it. And I mean, look, this thing was a monster of a fucking hit. Oh, yeah. You just played out my my story that I I like with the um, the writer's room at Warner Brothers DC office during Batman v Superman trying to find a connection and the guy goes in he goes hold on you know what Superman's mom's name is right right did you know Batman's mom's name <gasps> that whole thing but yes uh, <laughs> a big breakthrough day but yeah the thunder rolls and the thunder what if we had yeah thunder in it when yeah, it's like after it was all done because they recorded it live, like in one take. Yeah, uh, Garth Brooks and Alger, the songwriter, Pat Alger, and then they're like, "Yeah, what if we put thunder on the track?" Just the whole yeah. no, not a guitar. It sounds like thunder, like an actual recording of thunder, like Riders on the Storm. Yeah, like yeah, Riders that, on yes, the storm. just like Riders on the storm. just like Riders on the Storm. Oh yeah. Uh, which uh, the music video, which does include thunder uh, on it as well, thunder, uh, rain, lightning. lightning. Uh, it premiered on May fourth, nineteen ninety one. A lot of music videos I do on the show do not. They you can't find the day they actually premiered, but goddamn it, this one had it. Well, it, you said this was you know you mentioned it was the last single. It's the fourth single off this record, mm-hmm. and this record was huge. Like Garth yeah. Brooks was. Uh, basically unstoppable at this point. Right, yeah. He was just... And then, like, years later, he'd have his greatest hits, which was one of those best greatest hits albums of all time. It's right next to the Eagles. The Eagles. uh, I think Lenny Kravitz, one of his best albums, was his greatest hits. Uh, I think Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers' greatest hits album, if only for the inclusion of Last Dance with Mary Jane. Like, there's albums like... Nobody... you Even if you don't have anything else by that band, you probably have that hits collection... Yeah, in your record collection, and I always, I always talk this the the hits collection when you have like the the ego and stuff to put that new song 
on there. It's like you're right. already claiming it's a hit. Like, what if it sucks? <laughs> when I always point to when Van Halen did it and they recorded like two yes. new tracks with Roth and they both fucking blew. Yeah, they like, were no good. And they thought everybody thought that was gonna be the reunion. And then I think they accepted they never, the, yeah, the, award, the they yeah. accepted the award on the MTV or the Grammys, and you could see that this isn't gonna happen. Yeah, Eddie's like, I have to have back surgery next month, and, and David Lee Ross like the hell? What? <laughs> oh yeah. And it was over. And we got Gary Sharon era Van Halen. I bought it. Look, not a bad, <laughs> not not the worst record. No, I'd say it's probably still a better record than "Cut the Crap" by The Clash. Oh gosh, "The Thunder Rolls" uh, directed by Bud Schatzel. Schatzel, he did a lot of music video related TV specials. Not really just music video stuff, but like he did specials for Reba McIntyre, Kathy Lee Gifford, yeah, Lee he really Dion, seemed to... Wyclef and Dolly. Like I said, he really kind of hung out in the uh, both him and the producer who we'll talk about, Martin J. Fisher. They both really kind of hung out within the country music industry. Mm -hmm. But he also, he wrote the uh, Peter Fonda, Reb Brown action spectacle, Mercenary Fighters. Have you seen this one? Do I need to check this one out? I saw the poster and I want to check it out now. Uh, Now put it on the list. That'll be our next episode. Well, after Transformers? After Transformers. After Transformers. (laughs) All right. But the video features a man played by Garth Brooks in a wig glasses and is it a See, painted on beard i don't know but here's what i like about this because this is 10 years before my favorite era of garth brooks chris gaines chris gaines oh yeah so you could see that he was i mean as somebody who always wanted to break out of the country thing wanted to be mm-hmm. a pop star idolized people like prince and david bowie that he wanted to bring in different characters and different images. I feel like this is maybe where the, perhaps where the seed was planted because he's almost yeah. unrecognizable in the video. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was, I, I think it was now when I went to watch it for this, I was like, Oh, that is, that's, Oh, Garth plays that guy. I remembered it being a bearded guy in it. I always got this video and Janie's got a gun. They're, confused. This is their sister videos. I, I feel like they take place in the same abusive scumbag universe. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That you can, they, they, it's like a the thematic sequel to Janie's Got a Gun, where he's this cheating husband, or as he likes to say, I'm a family man, but he's yeah. sl- sleeping with some floozy in a motel room. And- <laughs> One of those motel rooms from uh, Bobby Joe and the Outlaw with, right, the yeah, real yeah. Gr- with the real great neon. Yes, it was perfect. Like this, uh, this it unintentionally fit that movie perfectly. And he drives home during a storm. His wife is at home, and she's got a black eye and a beat-up lip, so I guess he is a family man. And uh, there's a little daughter there watching, and when he gets home, she shoots him, lights some candles, and then holds them as the police come. And outside, outside, uh, Garth Brooks walks by without, you know, he's, he's Garth Brooks. And he, <laughs> he's Garth he walks, now. He's Garth. He walks by, he looks at the camera like, Ain't that a shame, folks? And uh, it's like next week. That's all. That's all, folks. Yeah, pretty much. And the band plays "Soaking Wet in the Rain" through this, as you know, they they jam hard, and one of the like rhythm guitar guys like sings along, like he's on there. Yeah, that's that's kind of how the video is. I, this is a weird one, Mike, because I remember exactly the the moment I saw this video for the first time. So, Tell me about it. So we were on our way. Uh, my family and I were on our way to Alabama to visit like one of my mom's best friends that moved there and stay with them for a week. And our, our minivan broke down on the way there. I have somewhere, somewhere North Alabama or on the way and we had to get it fixed. 
and we went to this auto place and we're in <laughs> it was the air conditioning busted i think that was it when we could it was so hot you couldn't just drive with the windows down and so we we're in the lobby and they had like cmt or t or not tnn because well, it's got banned on tnn it's and i don't C- think cmt wanted to play it either yeah. is that true well uh yeah i'm not i saw tnn didn't want to but i think i might have gotten my my cmt and my tnn okay. confused because vh1 actually started playing it yeah. eventually right yeah so i i watched it and i uh, there was there you know i saw more country videos and i wanted to care for that day <laughs> but it was weird because i never watched that channel so i was like peering right. into another universe it's another world it's a completely different world absolutely but this this music video like i was like wow that that was really well done. And that was kind of a cool song too. Like I was like, what is this? And then like we went down and this was, this was the not the early mid nineties. And it was like Garth Brooks, like people love Garth Brooks. Like he was an icon. Well, he, rightfully like one of the probably the biggest icons of country music. And so I heard plenty of, it was like a precursor to that trip because we would get to Alabama and that would be like Garth Brooks music was playing everywhere. But yeah, seeing that video, I rem- I remember that. I don't know why. I, I there's better music videos I love in my life. I can't tell you when I saw them the first time. But this video, I think well, it was part of that peering in another world. And this is the one that I was like, oh, this one I like. This was a thing. Like this was huge. I don't. I this may have been the first time I actually sat down and watched a video. Even as someone who has seems to be a little bit more than a passing interest, mm-hmm. or even if it's not an interest so much as curiosity about Garth Brooks and his career. But I just remember this being huge. And it's kind of weird because it is kind of the anti-country song and like there's kind of a a stereotype about country music that it's all about beating up your wife and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. this was against that and even though tnn banned it like it got a lot of press because women's groups were very much behind this and uh, garth brooks shedding light on this issue yeah Yeah, Uh, and i think a lot of people were afraid of it like i think the director said he told in that same entertainment week article that people were afraid they didn't feel like that Garth Brooks was trying to break out of his typical songwriting. Right. And you, Cause you know how the country like music a, scene is. Yeah. I, this feels at home with like a country song, like maybe not now, country, but I bet you're looking back at it from, you know, but, 20 years. Yeah. But wouldn't this you, is but, a little too edgy for too, them. Would it be too edgy for like the folk guys or like the Willie Nelsons and the Waylon Jennings though? Like <laughs> they weren't playing them on fucking, they probably, uh, they probably were playing them on the Nashville network. Yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting period. I don't know enough about this period of country music. I know a little bit about it because it was certainly gaining popularity and mm-hmm. a lot of it due to Garth Brooks because he was the superstar. You know, it's funny. Like I, you brought up the popularity of like, is it maybe at like the turn of every decade? Because like at the turn of the eighties, pop country had a big resurgence with like well, rhinestone bars. And this is turning into the nineties. Just like the seventies when, you know, cause like Bobby Joe and the outlaw, I mean, not that the Eagles are not true country music, but they have that country influence. Like Bobby Joe Southern influence in yeah. 70s rock. Yeah, definitely. Bobby Joe and the outlaw was based off of uh, Desperado. Like that was where right. Mark Lester was inspired. It was almost called Desperado. Yeah. yeah. So, and now right now in our current moment, pop country, country music is what college kids listen to. Right. And it's because I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what, I can't put a finger on it because, of course, these days, kids, they don't just listen to country. If they listen to country, they probably listen to rap and they probably listen yeah. to the true to form 
pop music too. It's the uh, the iPod generation, the Spotify generation, where you can just make your own playlist. You don't have to buy the whole record. It's not. I mean, you've all we've all heard the stereotype, the uh, stereotypical answer. I like everything except rap and country. Like mm-hmm. that's just not how it is anymore. Which is funny. Like when I, like I noticed it when I worked at Circuit City in college, and I worked in the, ah, the DVDs and the music yeah. section. But I noticed like if there's two groups that hate each other, it's rap and country, but they are so similar. It's crazy. Well, that's like, why. And it's, I love it. Whenever the country guys bring in the rapper, the rappers bring in the country, like who's that Florida, Georgia line has a rap breakdown in all of their songs. Yeah. And it, it's funny. Like their album covers look alike. Cause yep. rock, rock always goes for this, like artistic, like, well, give me a painting. And then like rap and country is like, here's the guy who's going to be singing yeah. the songs. <laughs> <laughs> here this he is, is leaning on the, uh, here he is <laughs> kneeling on a road except one of them the dirt road and one of them's a city road absolutely there's like it's like there's a guy there's a guy leaning against a wall and it's like living on edge life or something like that it's well, like yeah it, okay. it's all about it's all about partying and in the good time right like when I attended bar at Chili's, if I had like a night where there was a run on Blue Moon, like everybody's ordering Blue Moon in this place, yeah. I would say to myself, did somebody mention Blue Moon in a rap or country song? Because everybody's coming in order in this. Right. And it's very populist music, too, mm-hmm. especially now more than ever. Probably. Yeah, they're both country. really they're both genres that are very blunt in their lyrics, more so than. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> nowadays like with just like hey let's just you know say stuff but um yeah so two kinds of music that i i find very similar in what their pitches they're selling and where people think they're kind of different in the pop sensibilities of them i'm sure there's deeper country artists buried somewhere oh yeah and like and there's, and there's there's deeper everything like this is just what's on the radio now and mm-hmm. i think there there's a certain I don't need to. I don't need to shit on people for liking pop country music or bro country, whatever. Right, right. Let, them, let them have it. It's just not my thing. Like, I'm lucky at Rock Island Public House. We don't have a touch tunes. We <laughs> have a CD jukebox because we curate the music that we want to hear. There you go. As as you should. It's your place for the people. Uh, this for the one. People. This one. It won the CMA Video of the Year. It was nominated for a Grammy for Best Music Video. It was called Best Music Video Short Form at that time. It was among nominees, Dire Straits, Calling Elvis, Bob Dylan's Series of Dreams, Billy Joel's When You Wish Upon a Star, and Lost to R.E.M.'s Losing My Religion. Oh, I was going to ask you. I wonder what it lost to. Yeah, our, uh, Losing My Religion was huge. That was big. That It's, it's funny. Like R.E.M. was like humongous, and then just within like, an album fell off the face of the earth. It was, and they've been crazy. around, you know, they've been around for so long before that too, yeah. but they just, they hit that sweet spot when grunge became popular. I mean, yeah, it's they the were same around thing. in the eighties for a while. Yeah. It's like if the replacements had hung out, they would have definitely had their runs. Paul, Paul Westberg solo stuff, because finally the music that they, they, they these bands have been doing this college rock kind of, kind of gloomy, kind of rocking, yeah. kind of sad with a little bit of edge, was in the zeitgeist in 91 with well, the, the grunge movement though, never did though the pixies never they never hit that they never got the pop but they got more popular they got they got they became the ultimate hipster alternative grunge band from back you know like, and now they're everybody's favorite oldies act yeah that's true that's true <laughs> no it's funny because it's it, it, like at the beginning of this month i think maybe uh we were talking about spin doctors and they were like their album with Little Miss Can't Be Wrong and Two Princes sold like you wouldn't believe how many copies, and then like they they were never heard from again 
Like they, it's, it's insane. A, as they say, it's a common story. One hit wonders. Although even though back then you got a lot more chance to develop than you did now. Indeed. They, I mean, they, they may have fallen off the face of the earth, but someone still gave them like three more albums. You well, know, I'm, like I'm, I'm listening or rather reading a great book, listening to it. They just seem a little bit weird. And it's guys like Doug Broad, who's talking about Kiss, Aerosmith, Stars and Cheap Trick. And look, reading back on old, like that 70s rock, like, yeah, interesting to have an A&R guy who like, okay, this band is your project. You're here to sell them to America. And they would try different things. They would try different looks. They would try mm-hmm. different sounds, different producers. And I don't know if uh, that's so much a thing anymore. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. Like, what can you get right away? That's. Yeah. Chelsea Christer, uh, the guest on this show, she directed a documentary called Bleeding Audio. And it's about a band called The Matches, and they they were like emo punk. That I never, remember them. Yeah, yeah. They but they go over their record deals, and there was one of them. One of the record companies came in, like, "What are you looking for?" And the one guy said, "You know, don't sign with us because all we're gonna do is try to get one hit out of you and move on." Like that's <laughs> honestly. So if you want to have try to have some longevity. He's like, we'll make you the big, you'll have a hit. You'll be making money for the rest of your life on, but that's all we're going to, we're looking to get from you. So if you're looking to have some sort of integrity or something like that, we're the wrong label for you. And it's like, well, there's honesty, that's, but that's some fucking honesty for you. Yeah. yeah. But that was one of the sections. That honesty was, in the music industry. Never thought I'd see it. Never thought I'd hear it. Yeah. So, but that's, yeah, well that's, I mean, they were at the time they were getting courted around. They ended up going with epitaph, which seems fit. Of course they did. That just is appropriate. But they always, yeah, they, they always, I knew it before you even said it. I go, I bet you they ended up on epitaph. They were on epitaph, and they always got so close, and they just they quit. Still hungry. That was well. They're back. I mean, they they play reunion shows nowadays. But that, it's it's just a one of the most interesting music docs to me I've I've ever seen. So I made my top ch- ten films of last year, and it uh, was a. She won an award at Slam Dance for it. For oh, that's those, awesome! I know. love uh, even if I don't like a band, I will probably be on the edge of my seat through the whole music deck music i'm a sucker for him yeah i'll tell you like it was weird because i i got that i got this uh, i couldn't find someone to write a review for it and i i really liked the pr person and i was like i was like i'll sit and do this and then i was hooked i was it was like well you know what and they wound up being one of my favorite films of last year and i just totally like the people who uh, worked on it, stuff all great but yeah it was it was really interesting that catches you by surprise that type of thing but <laughs> so yeah garth brooks We've done country here now, so no one can argue about me. Did Thunder Rolls. If you are a country music fan and there are like worthwhile music videos that you want to see me, let me know. I will cover them. We should I, do, uh, we should do, uh, I think it was it Lost in You, the single off of the, there's a couple singles off that Chris Gaines record. Of course, oh, yeah. I don't know if that counts oh, as, I don't know if that counts as country, but I always argue that if oh, Garth... Chris Gaines will happen. I, I I have to introduce Garth, and then we'll go to Chris Gaines. <laughs> hey, I don't know. I always say, like, if Garth Brooks wanted to record that Chris Gaines record today, he wouldn't even have to do it under uh, an alias, because no, it's pretty si- it's pretty similar to what country music sounds like today. Well, like, Taylor Swift was country. She was country. Now she's pop. And then, uh, like, Sheryl Crow went from just rock to country. <laughs> A lot of the old rock stars, like uh, who is it? Uh, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. He yeah. turned to country because that the audience who's listening to country music now is the same audience that liked Aerosmith and right. Kiss and hair metal and uh, the sing. The, a lot of the Darius Rucker has country a country. Career. Yeah, a lot of the country singers have the same haircuts that the Poison guys had right. in the nineties. So. Yeah, it's hard to. Yeah, it's hard to discern. So. All right. Well, that'll wrap us up this week. Mike, you rule, my man. 
Oh, thank you for having me on. I always uh, appreciate coming on. Happy to share time with you on this show. Uh, next time's not soon enough, uh, but until then, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Mike Vanderbilt. You can find me on Instagram at M.A. Vanderbilt. And of course, you can always find me at the Halloweenies podcast or at the Windy City Double Feature podcast. And if you're in the Chicagoland area, please stop by the Rock Island Public House on Sundays, Tuesdays or Saturday nights. I'll be behind a stick. Every one of those. I'm happy to do a shot of Malort with you. What is the Malort, by the way? I've, I've. Oh, man, you ain't ready for it yet. I'm not you ready for ready. it. Okay, well. <laughs> your listen. I'll tell you what. You put this up. Your listeners are going to tell. I would. I let your listeners describe what Malort is because I would like to see how they describe it to you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Fair enough. Fair. Enough. I'll probably never be ready for it. So, all right. <clears throat> I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD. Written work at WeisselBlue.com. The show returns next week. But until then, always remember when talking movies online, keep it like Mike Vanderbilt. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.